0: Hello and welcome to PR Roundtable, the show where PR experts from around the world come to share what works, what doesn't and what they wish they'd known when they were first starting out. I'm your host, Jesse Reynolds, and I'm so glad you could join us. This first episode examines public relations through the lens of the hugely competitive gaming industry. With the help of our two expert guests, we'll find out how to cut through the noise and how we can apply some of their PR tactics to other sectors. Joining us for this discussion are two really excellent comps people, Chris Bond and Marion Muller. Chris is from Iceberg Interactive, the indie publisher behind popular PC titles like Killing Floor and Starpoint Gemini. And Marion represents Perfect World, a leading global publisher whose games have crossed over 500 million to date, with the likes of Neverwinter and, of course, Star Trek Online. Oh. And we originally recorded this episode back in December 2019 when pandemic was still just a board game. So sit back, relax, and for a moment pretend we're all back in those blissful pre-COVID days as you absorb some of our truly great PR insights from the world of gaming. So we've got Marion Muller from Perfect World with us. Here she is. Hi, Marion.
1: Hi, guys.
0: Hi. So I'm um, from Perfect World and probably a gentleman with one of the coolest names around, uh, Chris Bond, or can I say Mr. Bond to you, You Chris? can, sure. Uh, Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. that's maybe like a, a joke that people make too much, I guess. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, sorry about that. But anyway, sorry. yeah. So it's um, really great to have you here. And uh, yeah, we're going to dive in right away. I'm guessing that both of you, like both companies have a global footprint.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, you know, our contacts are literally everywhere. Our market Mm -hmm. is worldwide. Um, You know, we don't, unless we are using some sort of external PR, which is very rare, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are doing all of the PR for the whole global market. Uh, here yeah. in this office, so yeah. um, there's a team of three of us specifically focused on PR at Iceberg, mm-hmm. and then we mm-hmm. are part of the wider marketing team as well. And being a small company, we tend to be doing a lot of stuff uh, overlapping with each other. So, mm-hmm. you know, I will go from both, you know, writing press releases to also, you know, editing videos and things like that. So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's not just a single kind of PR job that you might get if you work in other industries Um, you know there is an expectation that you are going to be a bit creative and that you're going to uh, have the passion for the subject matter itself I think that's really really important I I certainly don't think I could do the job I do um, if I didn't have that background that I have and and the skill sets that I've I've managed to uh, gather through my career.
0: And, and Marian, I think if we switch a little bit to you, I think you guys have like more of a regional structure, right? So you have like a team in in the U.S., one in Holland.
1: Yeah, that's for the PR team as well. So the, the team in in. Um the us crafts a lot of our content and then because europe is so fragmented they hand Mm -hmm. it over to us and basically we're going to localize it and try to make the most out of uh, what we have to craft an efficient strategy for different countries that we consider uh, interesting for us. So yes, more fragmented and, uh, and uh, a little bit more chaotic I guess than when you have one region with one language. How
0: important is it that, and Chris you mentioned it al- already a little bit, is that you are passionate about gaming to actually do your job? Do you guys game yourself? Is that something that you kind of spend some time on? Are you conscious of that or, or isn't that really it's more about understanding
2: the market? I think that is really essential there are I think the big thing that maybe marks the gaming PR industry over other PR industries is just the sheer amount of competition mm-hmm. for the same space um, there, there, there's not as as, as although you know Online did really really help in terms of making a more diverse set of uh, you know press outlets and also other outlets you know mm-hmm. uh, YouTube and Twitch etc. Um, mm-hmm. The actual inequality in coverage is gigantic, um, you know. So you'll have people like Fortnite who can get everywhere, and then if you're not in that top ten percent. Um, the challenge for an indie such as ourselves to get any space on any of the major websites mm-hmm. or you know, actually be streamed by any of the major streamers, uh, that, that is a real challenge. And it's not one that seems to be going away. I think no. that inequality is kind of the, the trend of the whole world at the moment. So um, that is is that, really it, Does that frustrate you sometimes? Absolutely it does, you know, because yeah. there are so many wonderful projects that people are working on. You know, we work with a huge assortment of wonderful mm-hmm. developers and mm-hmm. it's a shame when it feels like you've got this great game and you can't get it to the same audience that it deserves to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also reassuring to know that that is the challenge that's facing literally, you know, hundreds and thousands of games mm-hmm. a year versus, you know, those very, very rare and even even in the AAA space that luckily we don't have to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, even in that space, it's hugely competitive and if you are trying to do something that's original. Uh, it, it can be really, really difficult.
0: And I, I guess that's kind of a challenge that not just like gaming PR is like you have the big brands who often kind of have easy access to those news outlets and get the news. Outlet. Have you found kind of like fixes for this? Is it really about just making your game games more original, more fun, like pitches better? Like have you have you found like solutions?
2: Honestly, I think that the number one solution is just relationships. If you can, you know, know who you're speaking to and understand what matters to them, what are their struggles, because it's not just on the game making side. There are struggles at the moment. There's also a lot of struggles happening in games media, especially in the more traditional media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, money is tighter because advertising is less effective. Uh, because advertising is less effective, it means that you know. There is actually now less room within say a website or a magazine to uh, have as many staff on board so you get a lot of freelance work instead Um, and that can be very challenging for that individual writer to then keep up with various titles and then also to be then assigned they don't have as much uh, leverage themselves to say i'm really passionate about this particular game i want to cover it they're waiting to be assigned from an editor, and as mm. someone who used to be an editor myself, you know, I would assign people specific tasks. And so, trying to get into that editor's lineup of what's important, especially like in the season we've just been through in like October, November, where it's a very busy period, trying to be in the box of we must get this done as opposed to we hope to get this done. Uh, that is, I'd say, the key challenge. Marion, what's what's your take on this?
1: I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree. This is a very passionate market. Most people that work here in this industry are very passionate about gaming. And that that's the good side of things in, in, in the sense that like when you work in PR, you can sometimes struggle to pitch your products. And at least in this industry, you know, journalists, I, I tend to feel like they're interested enough at least uh, in what you're talking about and in what you're pitching them so that's the nice th- side of things but mm-hmm. on the other hand yeah you, you'll absolutely have this huge saturated market that has so many games so many information every day coming in that it's it can be very overwhelming as well for journalists and for the media and so yeah I kind of agree that of, of course you you have to have that relationship they did day that, that's what helps the most uh, but that is extremely time-consuming and it's very long to put in place mm-hmm. um, but yeah of course at the end of the day you know it's it's talking to to someone and knowing them enough so that you get that opportunity
0: yeah makes a lot of sense and, and do you sometimes game yourself we, we didn't get to that yeah you?
1: of course yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I, I am also a huge uh, gamer myself so that's that helps uh, to really stay on top of of things um, but at, at the same time, uh, I also know that like I have my colleague here in PR, and she's not a gamer, for example, at her. all. Um, so we have a really good balance in our team because she's very uh, she's very passionate about PR, and uh, that is. I don't know. We have like a good thing going on in terms of like I know gaming and she knows PR really well, and we just kind of merge our knowledge together and mm-hmm. try yeah. to make the best out of this.
0: Yeah. yeah, diverse teams always have like like better success, right? Makes sense. Um, do you feel now with like those bigger titles that because you're of course a little bit more scale than um, um, iceberg interactive, and it's especially like a title like Star Trek Online, do you feel it's kind of getting easier to get? like those things covered because of you, you have that scale now and, and or are or you still see yourself as needing to compete against the GTAs of, of the world?
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't mm-hmm. think it's easier, especially again in a market that's so saturated and so volatile as well, if that makes sense, in the sense that there's so much information coming in every day that when you have a game that's 10 years old, the challenge is actually to be like, okay... Uh, Why would I cover this for the hundredth time if you know when I have so much more to cover? So that's actually even if the scale is bigger, you still have to keep things Excited enough for people to want to get involved. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, it makes makes total sense Um, Chris um, I'm I'm always curious like how people end up in VR and I briefly looked into your, your LinkedIn profile and it doesn't read to me like distant PR career that that was it how did you end up like doing PR
2: now sure so yeah i mean i i would say that my role now is a convergence of my two previous roles in my career so i started out as a writer for a company called jinx tv who are currently in esports TV channel but back then used to just be an all games TV channel Uh, they were based in London they were broadcasting all over the world and I was writing you know game reviews game previews features top five lists you know all the stuff that you know you'd normally see as web articles but we were doing as these little five minute videos Um, and over the time that I was working for Jinx I eventually was also producing TV shows we were doing live TV shows Um, we were also obviously doing loads of stuff on YouTube and uh, we had a TV show for if anyone's uh, familiar with the, the company sky television they're like the Mm -hmm. big satellite broadcaster in the united kingdom Uh, we were doing a show for them Um, so i was doing loads of the gaming journalist stuff i was going to e3 i was you know going to launch events i was you know reviewing titles etc but we had all the same pressure of that combined with a really slow turnaround because we need to get everything that we made localized so we generally had about a four week period from something being done to it getting on tv which meant that we needed as a you know if we wanted to have a review of a game out on launch day or on the embargo which could maybe be even sooner you know we needed to get that thing done asap so that we could get it rushed through we could i think we could pick about three items a week that we could have on like rushed delivery um that we could then get through faster but typically speaking if we wanted to be ahead of the curve we had to be thinking ahead a lot and being very strategic Mm -hmm. about okay what can i get And from the point of view of how we worked with pr was also like you know we were desperate for footage we needed video footage of everything um especially for games that weren't out yet you know as much b-roll as we could get was was you know, phenomenal, it meant that we could get ahead and make content about that game in time um, without necessarily having to have the game itself in our hands, which is, you know, a challenge that everybody still faces.
0: And what were the kind of like the things that you were, you felt you were missing um, to really make
2: that switch to PR? Um, so obviously, I think when you when you're working that side of it, it's good because you're you're getting a good experience of what the end result relationship is like. Um, but it was after I left Jinx, I went to work for a marketing agency, and I was the head of the video department there. And then eventually, I was a uh, what we called a client partner, but effectively, I was the account manager for Microsoft. Um, and through that role, I learned loads more about marketing. It was a much bigger company. I got to be embedded inside much bigger companies as well. So we worked with people like uh, Jaguar Land Rover and Royal Mail and uh, Waitrose and John Lewis, Um, you know, loads of really big, big companies. I got to go inside their offices and see how they worked and work quite closely with a lot of the people who were working for those companies in the marketing side as well. Um, And so, yeah, I got to get to know a lot more about marketing functions and also sales functions and i think where i've come to iceberg from as a perspective is you know this relationship thing is so essential to everything that you're doing as a marketing agency um and it, i wanted to apply the same thinking to the way that we do pr here which is eventually what led me to presley because we wanted a uh, you know an actual digital way to organize our contact database that also let us you know include notes and links and Mm -hmm. uh you know actually really enrich those profiles so that even if i'm you know on the road i can just open my phone i can take a look at a profile i can catch up i can see what my colleagues have been saying or doing with that person over the year um i think that stuff's all really important so um yeah i've kind of come to it from you know i have no prior pr experience at all Mm. um but i've come to it from a sort of marketing and the games journalism Background smooshed awkwardly together.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. And that, I think that, like, especially in gaming, Pierre, that makes a lot of sense, uh, to be honest. Um, Marion, um, if, if I was like, Going to your LinkedIn profile, like, it was almost like I was traveling the world because it seems that <laughs> you, t- you took a little bit of a detour before you ended up um, in Amsterdam uh, at this yeah. point. But 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 what was the thing that attracted you to kind of take a, a role in gaming VR? What was the, the the thing that that said, like, now, yes, this isn't a challenge I want to take? Mm.
1: Well, you know, for me... Uh I mean, I think for me, I've done like a lot of uh, comes throughout the years and a lot of PR and a lot of event management and so on. And, um, and it was in a lot of different industries and I, I did... I did have a bit of experience in the music industry for a while, and that was really the only creative industry that I've ever joined. Mm-hmm. And so after, you know, after, as you mentioned, moving a lot around, I just really wanted again to be in an industry that I I was really passionate about because that makes a huge difference, I think, on, you know, your day to day life. and and how happy you are at work and and the fact that you can also give your hundred percent if you're really, really passionate about the topic.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I actually like, like give kind of a a class to certain PR students as well. And then I sometimes ask them, would you be able to be like a PR or kind of spokesperson for like a cigarette brand? Right. That's kind of like an interesting, uh, almost philosophical thing you need to think about, especially if you're in comms and spokesperson and you're representing that brand. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I mean, It's also interesting, I mean, to gain experience in whatever industry you can gain. Like for me, I was in the oil industry before as well for quite a bit, Mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with what I do now. But it's just that you learn techniques uh, that you can just apply everywhere after that. You know, a lot of PR knowledge and comes I use every day still. It doesn't really matter. But I mean, then again, when your heart is really somewhere, that's where you shine kind of. That's valid for everything and everyone. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that what, that's what makes the difference in the end for me. But yeah. I still think that obviously, you know, every experience is, is good enough, uh, obviously, to have. And also, if you are good enough to market or to, you know, do PR or comes in an industry that you don't care about, then you're going to be really, really good at something <laughs> that you care about. Yeah. That's, that's
0: actually Absolutely. not bad, Absolutely, know? yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Cool. So, like, something that we've seen, um, like, throughout the years, is that gaming publishers tend to invest quite rapidly into building like a PR function, like much faster than any other companies that are maybe like at a smaller scale. Maybe I'll start start with Chris for this one because you guys are, are quite small but have like a significant like PR team already. Why does does the management or like, the, like people on the helm of the company see this as such a valuable thing to have?
2: So I think it stems from a couple of areas. So the first one would be just familiarity with the products. Um, The products that we do are not very short term, I mean, much more short term than what Marion's doing. But, you know, we're only working on, let's say, half a dozen releases a year. So in that year, you know, you're going to be working on the same project for probably about a year in itself um which means that you need to have a lot of familiarity with not only what the what the product is but then also you know who's responded to it who did you show it to at an event who have you sent codes to if you're using a pr agency especially if you're not using one consistently, if you're only paying for them on, say, like a month basis when you've got a big marketing beat and then you don't pay for them for, again because it goes dark for a little bit, you're going to lose that consistency. And that agency is, you know, no matter how good they are, they're never going to be able to pick up with the same intimacy uh, on the specific project. So I think that's the the core reason. Um, and I think the second reason is simply that Frankly, a lot of the PR agencies in the world are quite expensive Um, and it's difficult to show a firm, you know, return on that investment from PR. You know, it's very difficult to say with absolute certainty that, yes, that, you know, number of hours that we spent, you know, sending review codes out and getting reviews to people turned around and it made all these extra sales and that made us a profit. You can't do that. It does, doesn't work that way. Um, so the more, you know, the, basically the, the, the cheaper you can run, the better. But I think that as a result, you know, when you weigh up those two options, it's like, well, actually, you know, maybe for the same money that we were spending on agencies, we can actually be paying to have an entire team in-house. Um, and then that team is actually going to be able to build direct relationships that are you know, our relationships and mm-hmm. that we can then, you know, hopefully use not only for one title as well, one project, but also further titles and further projects down the line.
0: Okay. Makes all the sense. So Marianne, do you see kind of the same reasons?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think even when you do have an agency, uh, you should have more than just a project manager, uh, you know, in, in house, you should really have a PR person kind of overseeing everything because that is just again that that's something as mentioned that you know you're going to create for such a long period of time and it's going to be so so time very time consuming and it's going to take a really long time for you to be to build these relationships so i definitely think that you should yeah that that's uh, this is where the added value really is is mm-hmm. that you can have you know someone in house that knows the products really well and that that can just oversees everything that way. Yeah, for sure.
0: Something that, that we've always seen around gaming are of course the strong communities of people that are playing specific games. Uh, how close do you guys need to work with like the community managers to make sure that like the community gets the news in time as well, right?
1: Oh, it's very, very close. Uh, I mean, this is a strategy that you need to align for sure you can't have you know especially in gaming again you're dealing with people that are extremely passionate and that goes for the community as well people are very into what they're talking about so you can't have communication for media it doesn't make sense you know you have to be really aligned in what you're telling the community and what you're telling the media and when you do it and why it has to be consistent and um and so we work very closely with them to ensure that, uh, you know, when we sent out a press release, um, that uh, at the same time they're sharing the news uh, when the embargo goes off uh, with the community and that they they also work closely with our media to kind of, I don't know, retweet or, you know, um, get a partnership going on between that particular media and our community.
2: Chris, how does that work at Iceberg? Yeah, I think, you know, I would only build on what Marion just said that for us, you know, our community management team is in the same room. It is really just one team. We are the marketing team. Um, everything that we do is generally structured around marketing beats. So whatever the thing is that we're doing in PR, we'll typically have some version of itself happening with the community as well. We'll usually be sharing assets, et cetera. So um, the only areas where I would say that those two things diverge a little bit is for example, when we've got say a review push that we might be doing for a game. Um, a lot of that stuff is happening under embargo. And so we're not necessarily, you know, using that same communication like you know the emails we might send for that won't be echoed with something in the community Um, but the vast bulk of the work that we do is very hand-in-hand and I think it's important that all of those parties are also talking to each other because ultimately you know, the, the, the language that you're using and the communication that you're using, even just down to the actual uh, media outlets that you might want to reach out to, mm-hmm. you know. So for example, um, you know, certain, uh, for, ex- you know, for us, Forex strategy uh, is, is a really important genre. Um, and so there are particular outlets out there who are real leaders in that genre. And I would say that, you know, they would probably say themselves, they're not only the press, but they are to a degree the community because mm-hmm. they are as big fans of that as anybody else is they just happen to have the podcast or the platform uh, to talk about it. But really, you know, they are as much a fan of the product. So with them, you know, that's very different, for example, than, say, if I was to be pitching to, you know, The Guardian newspaper. Yeah. And wouldn't necessarily be in that same boat. So, you know, the the online communities have their own centers. And depending on what those centers look like, that really needs to change how uh, as a marketing team we communicate.
0: Yeah, Marian. I see you nodding your head, so I'm guessing you have you, you agree there.
1: Yeah, yeah, you no, know, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, again, and we're just one team working yeah. on these things. Yeah,
0: and it's kind of like, like I don't. I, I'm thinking now, but I don't think there's much um, industries where basically like your customers can be the same as like your influencers, right? And, yeah. and that's of course like the, the, best, <laughs> yeah. the best thing that there is, maybe because. Like it makes it easier, but never completely aligned, right? Because if they're already your customer, you also want to have more customers that are not like that area, and so you need to branch out and find new people, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think the you know the difficulty there is you know it's it's certainly a challenge that we faced over and over, which is you know you might be really embedded with a particular group of people, and that's wonderful, but how do you advertise in a way? You know, this goes to some sort of more traditional advertising because traditional advertising is having a lot of issues. You know, we've had this year several campaigns that we have not been happy with, where we've invested a lot of our money and not really seen a lot of it come back, and that's through traditional advertising. Which, you know, at the same time, how do we then bring new people into these communities if we're not using traditional advertising, or if traditional publicity uh, is also not necessarily working? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why we've turned to tools like Discord. Um, which have been very successful for us to try and pull our communities together and so I think I think a big thing that happened recently was that we had so many fractured communities we had so many different outlets and websites that we were using uh, to actually cultivate fan bases and the problem with that is not only is it loads and loads of work to do every single one of those things and update be it you know Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and everything else but to then uh, try and pull those people together into one space so that they're also talking to each other and enhancing each other, you know, that is a challenge. And that's something that we are seeing success with discord, but, you know, is still an ongoing problem because, you know, people, you know, they hang out in different spaces online. I certainly do. Um, you know, so I understand that if you're wanting to try and get my attention, um, especially if you want to also, you know, eventually sell me a product. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, even, even for me, someone who is natively into games who is spending a lot of their time researching games, that's still a hard bar to to pass. So yeah. um, It's especially hard if you're dealing with genres that are not necessarily so for example for us with uh, Railroad corporation that was a, a strategy tycoon game that we did this year, you know, and that's that's a game that harkens back to some you know classics and it does appeal to a slightly older audience mm. um, But that older audience they're not in the same places that the audiences for our other Uh, games are so how do we communicate with them that this game exists that's something that they would be genuinely interested in Um, and that's where as that's why we need to be one team because you know the the advertising side of our business and the marketing side of our business couldn't be sitting in a different building from what we're doing in publicity or community because you know all of those functions need to be working together
0: and and is this something uh, Marion, you see at perfect world as well how you kind of like work together with marketing
1: yeah. Oh God. Absolutely. We're just hanging out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we're literally sitting sitting across from each other every day. Um, so yeah, it's a team effort basically, and everybody's just you know pitches in and uh, yeah. has different ideas. It doesn't really matter if you're doing design or community or peer marketing. We're all working together mm-hmm. towards the same goal, and we're all kind of gamers anyway. So we yeah we have a lot of brainstorming sessions, and it's just uh, yeah I think it's the most efficient way.
0: So going a little bit deeper into kind of these n- newer tools like discourse and, and Twitch, we've seen like other industries, not a lot has changed platform-wise. It's been pretty stable, like since Twitter, Facebook, and those platforms have, have been settled. It has not really changed a lot the last three years. But for you guys, it's been kind of racing on and on and on. So So how are you dealing with, how are you evaluating if it's something you need to look into? For Twitch, it's probably just a reach i guess or 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 how do you make these calls on we need to be more into like streamers or how are these decisions made
1: well you know it's just you need to be where the people are basically need to be where your players and your fan base is that's just that's just it so of course yes we're looking Uh, We're on Twitch, you know, and we are looking into those platforms because this is where people hang out now. So this is also an interesting topic when you think about, okay, influencers and streamers, you know, now they're just becoming the media, basically. So for us here at at PR, you know, we work very closely with community that um, basically handles uh, influencers. But they're obviously, as you mentioned, you know, in the past three years, they're coming more and more, uh, well, just bigger and bigger in, in the picture, you know, of this industry. And in terms of like, okay, uh, I have a message that I want to send out out there, you know, to the media. That obviously includes influencers now. Mm-hmm. They're just so, a huge part of. The yeah. Strategy is now. is
0: there still like a line between like, if you have your contacts, this is my contact list of influencers, and this is my contact list of like.
1: Well, there's still somewhat of a difference in terms of okay, you'll have I don't know someone from IGN or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have, those I think could be considered traditional journalists in in those terms because they you know they're obviously passionate about gaming and probably gamers themselves, a lot of them. But mm-hmm. they write about those topics on the daily. They write, you know, most of them you don't even know their faces, but you read a lot of their articles without even knowing it's them. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. They're in that sense, I think, more traditional and they're, you know, writing for all those websites. Uh, and then you'll have influencer in terms of, okay, YouTube and Twitch. Yeah, so I mean, again, there is somewhat of a difference. We kind of still separate it in terms of it's not the same thing. You can't send, I don't know, press release to YouTuber. That doesn't really match, you know, what mm. the tone is.
0: Cool, good. Chris, just like, it would be interesting to, to, to learn um, How do you then make that initial connection with an influencer or like how do you make that initial step to build that relationship because I think we all agree that that's a a crucial part building that relationship getting that line but but how where do you start.
2: It's extremely difficult right so on the one hand email is still a really prime function of how we communicate with people um, you know sending out be it a press release whether it or if you know just a, what we would call an you know an influencer mail or an influencer blast which will usually be um, a lot more focused and to the point because so with press releases a challenge is that some media outlets will simply take your press release and just copy paste it verbatim on their website and they will publish that So you want your press release to be something that the public could read and would be interesting and would be enticing to them. If you email a YouTuber, it doesn't need to be anywhere near that fluffy because they actually are very time poor. Um, They don't want to sit and read a long email like that. They don't really care. What they want to know really is, do you have a key for that game and can I just play it? You know? Ideally, they want to watch some video of it first and understand, like, you know, what is actually the game I'm going to be spending my time bothering to download. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the core thing you need to get across to them. You know, if you try and spend a whole A4 sheet talking about, you know, the, the backstory and the world and all of this stuff, they're probably not going to read it. So it's a big waste of time. Um, so I think that that's, that's if, you know, for us, we also split, we, we deal with influencers on the PR team, but we do, divide them you know within Presley we have different tags for people um, depending if we consider them to be more traditional media or influencers but you know it's fair to say that, that there is a, a real gradient between different people there you know you're right to say that those things are intermingling because mm-hmm. for me I look at the difference of motivation so if I am a you know salary employee of a games media outlet, my motivation is probably to get as many articles up on my website today as possible. Um, I'm looking for variety, I'm looking for good headlines. If I am a uh, streamer, yes, I might be looking for something you know new and fresh, but I'm also looking for something that I maybe can own, that I can be the go-to person for that particular title. I'm looking for something that I enjoy playing enough that if my audience wants me to, I'm happy to play it every night all week. And that's a very different thing when you think about it, you know, having, having this, you know, one shot kind of disposable but exciting news piece versus having this, you know, long term, very engaging, very rich experience uh, for somebody else. So um, and in between those two, of course, are all the subtleties of everybody in between. So whether it's people who do video essays now on YouTube, which is an extremely time consuming and, and, and rich thing for them to do, it takes a lot of research, uh, it takes a lot of playtime, but all of it comes out as something that maybe is like a 15 minute video at the end of it. Um, how do you address those sorts of people as well? Again, there is no clear-cut answer because this stuff's all really new. Yeah. So typically speaking, it's just about common sense. It's about trying to put yourselves in the shoes of someone and say, mm-hmm. What do they want out of this relationship? You know? So don't don't know mm-hmm. so much thinking about what you want. You want coverage. Fine. Great. Good for you. But what do they want from it? Because if mm-hmm. you can't actually appeal to what they want, then the odds are there is somebody else right next in, you know, in your inbox, in your, in your Twitter DMs, wherever you're actually approaching somebody, uh, there'll be somebody else there waiting uh, to take the opportunity instead.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Marian. you discussed relationships in your introduction, and this is like something that's also pretty near and dear to, to our heart, building that relationship kind of first before you start kind of expecting tons of them. How do you keep that going, right? Because of course you build that relationship through content because that's why there is a relationship in place. Do you sometimes kind of try to meet up? Do you kind of sometimes like send mails without sending a press release? What's the strategy that is in place for that?
1: Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, so this is very... Again for Europe, it's so fragmented that it's really sometimes challenging in terms of what, what language they speak you know. So but I'll just speak for what I know which is French and English uh, <laughs> and how we build uh, how I build relationship with, with them. And it's, yeah, it's not only press releases, obviously. If you're lucky enough to meet them at a conference or, you know, a, an event somewhere that revolves around gaming in Europe, that's just the best approach because obviously once you've put a face on someone's email, you're just so more likely to have that nice relationship going over like, oh, how are you doing? And how, how was your holiday or something like that? So it's very not just about business at some point. It's also just keeping that relationship alive and having, a, you know, a, genuine interest in who you're talking to mm-hmm. and and again in this industry people are they're, they're very interesting and they're very passionate so that, that, that's one thing that's easy about that is that you can connect on a lot of different topics you know and yeah i think again that it takes a long time that's of course when you have a successful campaign and a successful beat with that particular media outlets or journalists it's it's great but it's not enough to maintain A relationship Mm -hmm. uh, in the long run you have to really nourish this and to me you know it's you don't want to just spam them with your news or your beats throughout the year without ever you know having that personal touch of actually engaging a little bit but at the same time since they're journalists and they receive so much information in one day You have to find that really, that balance of, and that timing also of when and how to approach them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I understand. But maybe last question, let's say that Chris, that you would switch jobs and go maybe work at a bank, which I don't think (laughs) you, you you would do, but, but what would be like the one thing that you kind of would take from like your gaming PR experience and try to apply it in a different role or in different industry?
2: So, well, I can sort of reverse engineer that and say that the thing that I took into this job from working for a non-gaming job, you know, something my old boss used to say was that for him, there was, there was two different philosophies when it came to sales. It was, you know, you could either be hunting or gardening. Uh, I'm much more of a gardener. So mm-hmm. I think that you, know, you invest and you take time and you will not necessarily see results right away, but if you do that and you are sincere about it and you, and you actually genuinely care about the relationships that you're fostering, those relationships will always come back and they will always benefit you eventually. Um, I think that you know, that involves, if, if I was to go and work for a bank, I would be thinking about that in, in regards to say, my customers, you know, um, you know, how are we genuinely Uh, making their lives better Mm -hmm. Um, not because oh it's necessarily going to make me richer but because it means that the actual relationship is the business so it allows us to sustain that it allows us to change it I think that if you you know if you see your relationship in any any uh, sector at all as purely transactional or disposable uh, I do I do think that you're doing it wrong um, I think that even, especially in a very uh, digital culture where we don't necessarily see people face-to-face, where, you know, like you were saying, we, we, you know, we, we see people through an email address. Um, I think as personal as you can be, the better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I completely agree as well that, you know, meeting people face-to-face is the number one way to create and maintain a relationship. Uh, it, it It completely transforms your relationship when you get home and you start emailing that person again. And I think, yeah, any sector I would go into, I would take that lesson. Okay, makes a lot of sense.
0: So like, and, and for you, Marion, what would that be?
1: If I were to work at a bank? Yeah, well,
0: <laughs> not a bank or like a different industry than gaming. What would be one of the things that you've learned now that you would kind of love to take with yeah. you?
1: actually what i really realized was that for me it's the like reverse journey i've been in a lot of industries (laughs) that that i was not at all passionate about and like i was not unhappy or anything but i was not thriving and so the lesson that i take away from this is actually find that thing that makes you really passionate in life because then when you get up in the morning it won't be so terrible um so (laughs) i'll try my very best to not go work at a bank I guess (laughs) with that logic in mind. But
0: But we we all use banks so banks are necessary as well right? No of course. (laughs) All right cool great. All right let's take a look at the questions that came in. So we've got like an interesting question from Pavel, um, is it only press releases that you try to pitch to media outlets or is there a, mo- a more complex content strategy involved? How do you approach content creation on the whole, be it for PR or for promoting your game? Maybe let's start with Chris because that's kind of right in your ballgame, yeah. if I'm correct.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's a multi-prone question. so. Yeah. Um, First and foremost, yeah, the I mean, email is still the, the lifeblood of what you're doing because it is the thing that unites pretty much all of our contacts. Um, that being said, you know, I know for a fact that many of my contacts are not reading their emails. Um, that means that following up with them is extremely important. And I think that also following up with people in a diverse way really makes a difference as well. So if someone isn't replying to your email and they haven't replied to your follow-up email. Maybe try and DM them on Twitter if you're following each other on Twitter. Um, you know, uh, Discord I found to be really useful in this regard because not only am I able to chase somebody in a more informal, you know, IM way, uh, but typically that has spawned then longer conversations where we've got to talk about other topics than the topic I got in touch about, um, and we've ended up getting a lot more back from each other from that. Um, and I think that the, you know that comes down to the fact that certainly in this industry, I think most people are, they very sincerely are happy to talk to you, they just don't have time. So you have to be very patient with people and not necessarily expect this immediate thing to come back to you and you just gotta be very forgiving and say, look, I know that you've ignored five of my emails, but." You know, I'm going to assume that the reason for that is the same reason I sometimes ignore my emails, which is that mm. you're really busy, mm. uh, and that is not your fault. <laughs> That's just the way it is. So, um, yeah, I think you know, press releases is it's, it's a good thing to start with because it gives you a really good idea of what the interest is in what you've sent out. And if we haven't, if we have a press release and we get a really good, uh, you know, amount of replies back, or just a really good open rate, or we see really good coverage coming out the back of it, that is very encouraging for us to say okay you know we got the uh, you know we got we, we got the actual targeting of this right we sent this to the right people because they were actually interested in what we had to say um, and the actual news itself we, we did this at the right time because there was something of value here for people um, so I do I still believe in press releases very very highly but I think you need to be prepared and also don't forget that the, the people who are closest to you especially with with you know press and influencers they probably also follow your social media so if you announce a new game and you put the trailer up on your twitter and you put the trailer up on your youtube odds are you don't actually need to send a press release for those people to have seen that piece of information yeah uh, because they care enough about you um so in a sense as well you have to kind of be careful with your strategy about You know, when is it time for a press release? Personally, I think that, you know, something that we've looked at this year is that we've probably been sending too many press releases. Um, I think that we've been, because because we're, you know, we're like, okay, we need something for this. But, you know, the reality is that actually not every piece of information needs to be delivered in that format. It's simply a good format for, a lot of the traditional media that we're used to working with. So Mm -hmm. um, I would never not use it, but I would say that you should always be thinking in your strategy about how you're going to supplement it, how you're going to, you know, do things at the same time, how you're going to, uh, you know, vary your responses to that. Um, But yeah, I think that's still really important. And then as far as content creation, well sure, you know, again, you need to be thinking about those different things. So, you know, with, with an email, for example, You know, a lot of the time, uh, for a lot of people's inboxes, they won't necessarily see any rich media when they receive an email. They'll just get a lot of empty boxes. So you could put a really fantastic image in your email. We do do that, but with the awareness that for a lot of people, unless they are genuinely, you know, mm-hmm. enticed by it, uh, they're probably not even going to see that image. They're not going to actually watch your video that you've bothered to make and embed for them. Yeah. Um, so I think people also need to be careful about how much resource and time they put into those things because, you know, yeah, it's wonderful to have an amazing trailer. You know, we work with some fantastic editors; they make us brilliant trailers. Mm-hmm. But no matter how brilliant the trailer is, it doesn't necessarily. Get that trailer a lot of views, or you know, get it put into a lot of places. Uh, and I myself have sat and spent a very long time this year making things uh, that then have not necessarily performed as much as we wanted them to. And you know, I think there—it's easy to underestimate how much people just want to see gameplay in mm-hmm. the video games industry. Yeah, um, they just want to see gameplay. You don't have to edit it. You don't have to do anything fancy. You don't <laughs> need to do any cutscenes. Just do five minutes of raw gameplay and people will be actually very satisfied with that so Mm. um i think don't overthink it too much either something very practical that came on on
0: when you mentioned discord like people are asking like do you have your own discord for pr or or, or do you use your personal one i
2: use my personal discord account although Mm -hmm. it is predominantly a work account yep um it is you know it's owned by me if i left the company it would be mine still but um it is I don't really use it for anything but my job. Um, Iceberg itself has our own Discord uh, channel, so people can come and join that and they can mm-hmm. speak to us there, which is a really, mm-hmm. really great way of talking to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it varies. Um, but yeah, as far as my actual profile, that profile is just my profile. Yeah,
0: it's probably like most kind of... Authentic as well, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's the same with Twitter. You know, the Twitter is just
2: my Twitter I I don't have a separate Twitter for work. Like that would be crazy Um, You know most people if you follow me on Twitter will know it's mostly game stuff that (laughs) I will post Uh, It's usually just retweeting other people Um, but yeah, like again, like that's just to me, that's just a very natural way of.
0: So I'm not going to see selfies things. from you uh, at the Star Wars no. uh <laughs> tonight. No, no, no,
2: no usually you might see a picture of my cat every now and then. But oh, yeah, you know, yeah of course, yeah. Good, uh, a good. lot of the time, it's because you know I, I like sharing things that I like. So whether it's yeah. you know, and it might not necessarily be work things, but you know, uh, I follow other developers on Twitter. Cool. I'll share their work, you know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it makes so a lot it is of a sense. community thing. Yeah,
0: cool. All right, uh, Marion, next question for you. And a couple of people have, have have asked this, like about working with specialized media like ING, Kotaku, and, and so on, pointing out that it, it is easier to get coverage here. What, what about when you're working with mass media? How, how do you spark interest among non-gaming um, journalists?
1: Um, yeah, um, that really depends, again, on the territory and on the game that you're marketing. So I would say, you know, when I first got here, that one of the things that I really had to dig in was how fragmented Europe is and how each territory has different needs. Like what works in Germany will probably won't work in France. What works in the UK is very different of what works in Russia or whatever. So this you really need, first of all, I would say to have a really good media landscape in place and kind of just, you know, know, okay, Germany, they don't like interviews, or friends. You know, they really they don't like giveaways unless it's our hardware or whatever. So you really need to have like those facts straight away, I think, in order to craft your strategy. And then, yeah, I mean, it depends on the game because when you're going to just uh, target mass media, you'll have opportunities to do that. And depending on the game, you'll have them more often than not. So. I'm thinking about uh, a game like Star Trek Online. Sometimes it happens that we do have interviews, opportunities with with talents, voice actors that actually were in Star Trek series, like Jerry Ryan. Or so if if we do get those opportunities, which happened in the past, then yeah, sure. That's easier to target mass media, you know, but again, depends on which territory. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you really need all this information breakdown before actually going in and then obviously some things are out of your control in the sense that like when a game does incredibly well which is kind of like what happened with remnant for us this summer like this was kind of a big the big surprise of the year that this game did very very well and it was just you know picked up but by a lot more uh mainstream media than our other games and so that, that is just when magic happens, basically, you just, you know, when your product is doing well on its own, then great. <laughs> you, you can just pitch it in a, in a much easier manner, but yeah, so I would do that. This is how we do things here. Just do a lot of background research and just know when to pitch it at the right time for the right title. And sometimes it can really work out.
0: Um, like we've, we've, we've talked about this already a little bit, but there's a question and this is the last one. Do you have like an influencer marketing strategy, like meaning work with gamers to relay your brand messages and products in place?
2: So we typically try to avoid, for example, paid activations uh, with, with influencers. Um, it's not that we don't do it, but it's that you know, once you fall down that rabbit hole, you can just find yourself having to pay for everything. Um, and we do believe that you know our games are good enough that you know people should want to play them because they are entertaining, and because people should want to watch you play the game. Um, However, you know, yes, it's important, especially depending on the kind of game that you're working with to have a really strong strategy in place for, you know, specifically who you want to partner up with. Um, At what point in your game's timeline do you want to, to partner up? And that's always a big open question because oftentimes budgets will not allow you to do this more than once or twice, you know, in the entire game's lifespan. So you've got to say to yourself, all right, do I want to do this when the game is first revealed? Maybe during like an alpha phase where the game is also maybe a bit rough around the edges and then these videos that get made are going to dominate what Mm -hmm. people think of the game but the game isn't ready or do i want to wait until the game is ready but at that point you know we haven't necessarily built enough hype we haven't got people to see the game early enough um and and that is always an open question and a big difference for that is going to be genre as well you know so for a game like still there narrative games tend to work very well on Twitch, people like watching them, but then when they work well on Twitch, they don't sell well. Um, There's been a whole bunch of cases this year of games that have not done very well commercially, but did really, really well on Twitch. And it just seems to be this (laughs) recurring thread that, you know, it's like, they were wonderful games, everyone loved them, but if you've watched them on Twitch, you don't feel like you have a need to then go away and buy them. So you Mm -hmm. have to be very careful, you know? It's like, for still there, we didn't do an awful lot with streamers, with that game, because we knew that we wanted people to actually go away and, you know, experience the story for themselves, because it's a wonderful story. But, you know, if you've already watched someone else play it, it, you know it's probably not worth that much to you so um yeah i think it you know it's complete contrast depending on what kind of genre you're working with cool
0: all right yeah i've got a feeling we can go on for hours like talking about gaming prs so <laughs> right. uh, yeah, well but unfortunately i think uh, it's time that we wrap up because like what time is the premiere <laughs> chris you need to uh,
2: context i'm going to see star wars tonight so yeah 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 uh, it is it is in about an hour and a half so so
0: i don't want to like (laughs) bring you in any danger of uh not making that so it's time to wrap up so but i think it's been so cool I've, i've had like another like 20 questions we couldn't get through but that's been because it's so interesting So I want to thank you so much, Chris and Marianne. It's been very interesting. And we, of course, got a gift for you um, that we're gonna send you away. There's a choice you you need to make. One, we can send you some Belgian beers Mm -hmm. or we can send you some bubbles. So, and that choice is yours. Chris, what
2: do you decide? Ah. For, for myself, I would go with beers, but I think the office would probably prefer bubbles. So oh, go
0: bubbles. oh, what are you going to You're going to go yeah, with I'll bubbles? Go bubbles yeah. Okay, Marion, beer or bubbles?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I'll have to go with bubbles as well.
0: <laughs> All right. No, that's great. We'll send that your way. It was super to have you here on the call. Chris uh, and uh, Marion. where can people find you if they want to follow you? So, so Twitter is probably the best place with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at Hippo Shaped. Okay. And Marianne, where can people follow you?
1: You can always uh, message me on Instagram. I'll follow, I'll, I'll, I'll select you the, the at and uh, yeah, with pleasure.
0: Okay, cool. So thanks so much for joining. I wish everyone a great year. And I hope you have some holidays planned uh, the next couple of weeks.
1: Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye.
0: Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. So, that was a highly optimistic way to end the episode. We originally recorded it around Christmas 2019. So, poor Jesse, he has no idea what Horus 2020 has in store. Those contact details again are hippo shaped for Chris at hippo shaped on Twitter. And for Marion, just go to LinkedIn and search for Marion Muller FR. If you'd like to say hi to me and tell me what you thought of this episode, you can reach me on Twitter at sep. That's S-E-P-P or to our official account at Presley. That's P-R-E-Z-L-Y. Both Chris and Marion use Presley for actually doing their PR. So if you want to get a better idea of what Chris meant by leaving notes on contacts or tracking campaigns, clicks and opens, come over to presley.com and grab a free demo. I'll be very happy to show you around. Our next episode will be all about taking your PR team remote. We recorded a few months ago when the pandemic was still just starting to hit and i think you'll find it useful if you're still getting to grips with working from home for now thank you for listening and stay tuned